Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Picture Must Be Doing Something Right podcast. I'm here with Jamie. Hello. And I'm Joseph and we're going to do another episode looking at one of the Best Picture nominees for the 2023 Academy Awards. And this is, um, I think, the only foreign language film nominated this year. This is All Quiet on the Western yep. Front. I'm not going to attempt the German pronunciation of the original title. Fair. And um, yeah, the synopsis of the film is a young German soldier's terrifying experiences and distress on the western front during world war one and the film is directed by edward berger and he is also a writer for the film alongside leslie patterson and ian stokel and the film stars felix kemmerer albert schupp and uh daniel Brühl is probably the only real like recognizable actor uh, from yeah. the film obviously he was in uh ron howard's brush in 2013, which he received a BAFTA and a Golden Globe nomination for, and he's very good in this film as well. Um, sometimes you need that. That's quite a common thing where you have like a well-known actor in a uh, in a supporting role, yeah. yeah, just to just to make it sort of like appeal to um, mainstream audiences as old as film stars anymore. But um, yeah, he's quite good in the film. But the yeah. real star here is is Felix Camera, who is a first time actor on the big screen he's only done like theater before cast in the lead role of Paul Baumer who is um this this soldier sort of thrown into this um horrible sort of situation out on the western front during world war 1 um it's yeah it's it is it's one of those ones where it's, it's like you can tell so it follows him throughout the whole of it so as he's signing up forging his parents signature in order to go out to war because it's sort of like this feeling where you've got to, where he's representing his country, he's doing his country proud and um, he wants to make a difference along with his, all of his friends go out there as well. And then they soon realize, yeah, this isn't, you don't go away for <laughs> a fun time with this. This is hell on earth. And um, it, this is a film that just gets progressively more and more grim as it goes on in the best possible way. I mean, it's not grim in terms of, oh, I don't want to watch this. It's really engaging, yeah. even more so as it goes on, but it's a tough watch. It's a tough watch. They make it the very poignant at the start of the film about how much it means to everyone. You know, the teacher gives a big speech to the school saying, you know, why isn't this great? You're going to serve your country. So fantastic. You'll be home very soon. Mm. You know, what glory there is to wait for you. And that's the fascinating thing about World War One on both sides is that they there was this real like this mixture between old fashioned attitude and the the modern technology that we're developing. And that's why they got stuck on trench warfare, because they followed this marching takeover, be home in a few weeks, and then modern weaponry stopped both sides in the path. It's just really, really fascinating and obviously incredibly tragic. And we see yes. that unfold in the film. And this is a thing, it's a, it's a different representative of war because it's told from uh, the... Well, not not only not the Allies' perspective, but the Germans' perspective instead, but yeah. also from a losing side of war, where there are you, no We don't heroes. get that, do we? No, it's, 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 this is from the victim's point of view. I mean, there's no there's no heroes when it comes to war, but you feel like I was sort of thinking about this earlier in terms of how you compare, com, compare this film to other war films. I was, I was asking the other day, like what's better out of this or 1917. And I think it's a really difficult comparison because they're, 
even though they're both World War One films and they're told in similar ways in terms of you've got the representation of no man's land and and young soldiers they both tell those kind of stories but because you get these two different perspectives on things two sides of the war then and it's it's very difficult to compare because it's like you often see i think it's similar to like with um christopher nolan's dunkirk as well world war ii film they're seen as quite celebratory in a certain way in terms of makes you feel sort of patriotic towards yeah, there's British soldiers. Yeah, there, there is, and it's sort of like flag waving those kind of things. With this, it's it's sort of shown because it's so told from the Germans' perspective as well, and directed by Germans and written by Germans. That's what makes it stand out from the original or quite on the Western Front, um, which was a 1930 film that won Best Picture as well. Um, it's because it's told from this is a horrible period of time, horrible period in German history, and it's not part of like national pride there isn't you know german flags waving all over the place this this is told yeah. with a certain style to it in terms of its, its sort of gray scale the the color scheme is so brilliant um in terms of like these dark these dark greens and and, and gray and, and and black it's like this is just this has to be like a real representation of a horrible period in history it's james friend who uh did the cinematography and he does uh, an one amazing, of the baftas yeah. Yeah. yeah it's an amazing job i'm just watching a video at the moment it comes up on imdb of a comparison of all three versions of the film so the 1930 version the 1979 version and the 2022 version and it, it's just shown the comparison between specific shots where some of the shots are the same um, there's, a, there's a few, um, what, what I guess I'll nickname highlight reel shots where the film just pauses and there's like a flare or something going off in the sky and you know, lighting everything up red. Yeah. I was like, wow, is this really showing off at this point? <laughs> yeah, like you, you can tell straight away it is a technical showcase from the very start. Those, yeah. those, bit, those opening scenes in the forest um, where it's all like something that. It sort of reminded me of um, Alejandro Gonzalez in Yaratu's uh, The Revenant. It sort of looked like a Lubetsky shot. But yeah. um, but then you see it's not that kind of cinematography at all as you go on. And that's why I think it's also sim- uh, not similar at all to 1917, which had that sort of like that, that quick movement all the time with um, Roger Deakins' uh, cinematography. With this, it is very much wide shots and um quick cuts and sort of like brutal battle scenes where you don't really know what's going on and i feel like that's a good representation for war because it's like where you just get a feeling that anything can happen at any second you just gotta be prepared for it even with all the wide shots and scenic shots and quick editing it still feels very ground level which is incredibly impressive yeah, like it takes you right there as they're moving about the trenches, like it follows them. And you get a real sense of the of the space or, or lack thereof. Yes, and the absolute, you know, the 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 distance of no man's land, and the the fear of the unknown is just really well represented. I mean, it's, it's such a such an incredibly easy to easy film to gush over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to compliment Be- it like on on every technical level. Exactly, because it is a technical marvel as well as it being emotionally stirring as well as it being yeah. really memorable as well as having incredible performances at its center it is 
it is the film of the year. It just is, in my opinion. And it's the kind of film that I feel like, not that I say like isn't made as much anymore. I just feel like it's one that I haven't had this feeling where, where it's like this is an essential watch for educational purposes as well as technical purposes since probably like 12 Years a Slave, I'd say. In terms of one of those one and done kind of films, but you have to see it once, sort of thing. Yeah, you don't want to. I was just thinking this that you know, I'm glad I've seen it, but I'm probably never going to watch it. Exactly, yeah, and and that's the annoying thing because um, it's being re-released in cinemas. It's playing at my local cinema. This uh, comes out this week, um, which is just in time for for the Oscars. Obviously, there was a lot of hype for it post BAFTA, um, where it swept the board, um, deservedly so, and quite surprisingly so, um, but. It's now being re-released in cinemas what, four or five months after its uh, Netflix release. And um, it's such a shame because it feel like if you haven't seen this film before, I do recommend just seeing it in cinemas if you get the opportunity to because it's a shame that it's just straight onto Netflix because you miss yeah, out on, would miss out on so much. But if it gives a platform for more people to watch it, then that's great. Oh, uh, it was Netflix. I watched it on as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of like, well, that's sort of the only choice for most people because even though there are some screenings, it's very limited to independent yeah. cinemas because obviously most people would that want to see it would have already seen it. And I do think it is from those sort of like, if it's not a, if you don't want to see it as like a cinematic experience, it's one that you have to just sit on your own and watch in complete darkness. Like this isn't one. Oh, I'll get all the family around to 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 watch it have another yeah. great time. It's one that no, you've got to be in the right headspace, right frame of mind, and just be allow yourself to just be sort of immersed into this into this world. Because as soon as you start sort of like empathizing with the characters and um and put yourself in their shoes and and consider these these characters as you know as as young men, like he's eighteen when he. The beginning of the film, you as soon as you put those get those kind of thoughts into your head when you're watching it, it just plays so different. Yeah, if you understand the gravity of it, yeah, and also the sort of the humanity of it as well. It does, it adapts that spirit from the original novel more than it closely adapts the plot, it picks up on the, the, the key points and the, the, the frame of, of Paul. Uh, you know, it starts off in the book as well with the big speech at the school. So that's all there. That, but it's more yes. about it's been described as I haven't read the book, but it's been described as it's a, it's adapting the spirit of the book and and the heart of it. Yeah, more this than is it closely follows the plot and the characters, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and it does add bits to it which I think are beneficial. Um, so the final like um half hour, which we will talk about later in sports. Yeah. I don't want to spoil this from at all. Um, isn't in the original book. And I've seen the original film as well, the 1930 film, and it's not in that either. Um, but I think that's for the benefit of this film to make it stand out. And and that final shot is just incredible. Like, like I think that's way more effectively than more effective than how the original one finishes. Um, the 1930 version finishes with a shot that's in this film as well, but th- that comes like an hour before the end of this film. That specific scene, which is a climactic one um, of the original, right? Yeah. Um, so you just get so much extra added onto it, um, which I think is really important in sort of ramming home that sort of message of 
um, the lack of heroes that come out of this. It's not a celebratory time, and which which is very different than um, what you have when you're telling stories of World War One from an Allies perspective, of course. So, um, which is I think it's just great to see again that other perspective. I mean that that's that's the thing with with the technology of releasing it on Netflix that makes films like this so important. Yeah, and makes and is the positive of that kind of technology. Is sure, yeah. let's get a widespread film of the the side of the war that most people have, probably haven't seen, might not even understand. I yeah. mean, unless you've you've had to learn about in history, you probably don't really get what the Germans were doing or understand uh, yeah. where they were coming from during World War One and immediately after, which the kind of hint at. In the film, the, the the talk about the the negotiations, yeah, that's, uh, that's a, going on. Yeah, that's a fair point about sort of like the way that history is taught in UK schools as well. It's very much what what the Brits did, sort of thing, and you don't yeah. really see this other kind of perspective of well, as sort of like a thing that was described as as villains. Really, that's all we know them as. But if you start seeing them as well, these guys were just like just like us, but on the other side of it, then it's sort of, yeah, I, th- I think that's really important. And that's why it was important that, and it justifies its existence. Like you could say that this film doesn't need a remake. That's always, always the thing you hear with. Yeah, with, that's when, it. That's the when hearing remakes. Oh, it don't need to, doesn't need to be a, a remake. Well, it justifies its, its existence first by being told from Germans. Being in the German language is very important. And I don't think people should be put off by the fact that it is in German uh, because it's well written itself and easily follow yeah, along on subtitles and also because it's like even if you didn't have subtitles and didn't know what's going on it's so visually imp- yeah impressive and it's point. so well told in its direction that i don't think the dialogue even matters that much <laughs> it's in a certain way um also the expansion of um of technology like as i've already mentioned i've seen the comparison between the 1971 and 1979 one and then um and this one, yeah. there's there's a big difference in the way that they look and the aesthetics of it. And some of the visual effects, which it is nominated for at the Oscars as well, um, are really impressive, um, especially in sort of ramming home. It's always a bit naff when you see war films where they make sort of action set uh, sequences and set pieces just look really unrealistic. But this is right, realistic in the most brutal way and um and that's due to the quality of the acting as well as the um as the um effects yeah, first major role. oh he's amazing how on earth Th- this is something i want to bring up you know how on the uh top of maverick episode we we're bringing up lack of action performances nominated yeah. the oscars a bigger one is a lack of um nominations for performances in war films yeah, yeah, we did talk about that. I think it's bit. pretty I think it's pretty rare. I mean there are exceptions like Andrew Garfield in Haxel Ridge recently. There was going back further Tom Hanks in Saving Private Ryan, but there's been a couple of instances in recent years where you think like why has there not been um not just lack of Oscar nominations, but just nominations across the board, across a war yeah. season, why they're not sort of like campaigned more heavily. Um because Felix Camera I think gives the one of the best lead performances of the year. Or one of the best performances in general of the year. I think he's deserving of a nomination in that five. Um, 
But also you look back at George Mackay in 1917, wasn't really in the conversation either. Um, neither was, just looking up his name, uh, Phil Whitehead in um, Dunkirk um, could also have been in the conversation and he wasn't really. These are amazing performances. Even like supporting performances don't even get nominated um, for these. I, I don't really get it, really. But As you said, not even campaigned. Really not not way. really. I mean, Fitz Camera was in the long list at BAFTA, but that was about it, really. Uh, it's always difficult for um, sort of up and um, up and coming actors, especially if they're not known or their name isn't sort of memorable. Yeah, that's that's the point of the campaign, then, to make everyone know <laughs> their name. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Um, and his performance is amazing. It's one of those ones where you know that sort of picture where you always see it on like these. Um, sort of like fact pages and stuff where it's a picture of a man before they go to war and then after it and like how yeah. it ages them like it makes them look like 20 30 years older even though they've only been at war for a few years um it was the case in war, especially in um the first world war and um he manages to do that just with his facial expressions like i will he, say the yeah best makeup and hairstyling the, the, yes got a good, it does help Oh, I can imagine the, the the images that they might show for that. Yeah, the clips they might show for that where they're just caked in mud and you know, God knows there's, what else. Yeah, there's one specific scene where sort of all the makeup that's on Felix in that, uh, in that sort yeah. of scene is is really memorable, and it's sort of like that one picture that that sticks with you. If you go on the IMDb page um, for the film, if you go down to where it says videos. There's two still images of it, and Isn't that it? is like, oh, yeah, yeah, where it's sort of like gone. He looks sort of like green or grey. It's like he's already dead by that point. He looks like a ghost, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing the the job they did with the um with the makeup. Um, but yeah, in terms of snubs, I like Felix should have been in there. Potentially Abrach Shuk as well. He was nominated at the BAFTA Awards. Um, but I can understand why he didn't get nominated. Uh, but I do think he's good. And yeah, Felix won't, it wasn't going to get nominated. No. It's a much harder sell. Why isn't the director nominated? Yeah, that is strange. And that's, as we've talked about, that's going to hurt his chances. He won the BAFTA as well for Best Director. He didn't yeah. get nominated. And people were expecting him to get nominated as well. It wasn't like, well, obviously, All Quiet on the Western Front has improved its chances over uh, the last few weeks because it did so well after. Um, so a lot more people talk about it. It's all, sort of like, it's it's one of those ones that's sort of surged over time. You often find this is what happened with Coda last year. Yeah. Where a film, where if that film had, uh, where the voting had taken place a few weeks later, it would have received more nominations than it actually did. Like Coda only had three nominations overall. I think if it waited a couple of weeks and when it become became Best Picture front runner over time, you think... The reason that like people were hesitant uh, about predicting it was because it didn't have those sort of, like director editing nominations. But you think like yeah. yeah, if it had been a few weeks later and there was more buzz behind it, more momentum, then it would have got more of those. So it could be a case where I feel like if if the nominations voting was done now, then Edward Berger would be in, especially over like Ruben Ursland for Triangle of Sadness. But um, is there? Um... A uh, bit of a tough question. Is there anything about the film that you think is going to hold it back from winning? Anything you'd, you'd criticise about the film itself? I mean, what's going to hold it back from winning? It's not It's not in English. 
we've, we've seen a change. Um, Just because Parasite won, but that was one of those. That was a surprise victory. It didn't go into the night mm, as a favourite, and it has, and obviously there is more, more movement towards it. But I, that and it's a it's a tough film to watch. You can't rewatch it as much as um, like everything ever all at once we're talking about, which is Extremely we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about yeah. its chances of as best picture nominee now. Um, the, the the reason why everything ever all at once is is pulled away massively and. If we'd have had this conversation like a week ago, I would have said All Quiet has a very, very good chance of winning. But this last week has just changed yeah. the, the momentum completely opposite way. And even though Everything Ever All at Once is, is not a traditional Oscar film, it just has multiple things going for it. It's got a rooting factor because it's a cool film to like. Um, it's rewatchable and it's got nominations everywhere, including great chances to win in pretty much all the above the line categories. Now, literally, it could, apart from a Best Actor where it's not nominated because there isn't an eligible actor for it. Yeah. It's just doing so, it's just done so well across the board and now it has PGA, DJ and SAG, all of them, which is what, is what you need more, even though it performed badly at like the televised awards. So it only picked up one, um, one win at those awards in terms of best picture and it's actually really it was really even going into those guilds um all quiet won bafta banshees had won golden globe Fablemans had won golden globe and then everything had won um critics choice so going into the guilds it was pretty even but it's just pulled away Stormed uh, out. yeah and guilds are all you need i mean like i remember when birdman won that didn't win a single televised award but it won all the guilds and then it ended up winning Best Picture because of it. So um, I think its chance, chances has gone. I think it's probably third in the running. Um, I don't think it's out of the question for it to win, no, no, but so. not getting director or editing for a film like this is costly. It's really costly. It would have to have pulled off a Coda-type victory where it's late contender shown as an alternative to the front runner to overtake it and also a disadvantage is it's netflix and netflix has has never won best picture it's bottled winning best picture twice in terms of going into night is heavy from roma right both roma and powder powder dog last year yeah that's it those were ones that were dead cert wins on nomination morning and then ended up losing on the actual night um it just even though they're working really hard on the campaign i think um quite is on the of a variety this month um, which is very expensive to do that um, they're pushing hard for it but they've realised too late in the day that this was their, this was their best picture chance here better um, chance than Power of the Dog oh, uh, no if they'd I have pushed so. it if they'd have pushed it yeah oh. no, I think also it helps it helps my case that that didn't win and we don't know if this hasn't won yet <laughs> so Power as it stands right was... now it's a better chance than Power of the Dog yeah, uh, but I mean, Powder Dogs had more of a chance last year because it was a poor field. Um, this year, there's a stronger. Is in terms of it being top heavy, it's a strong yeah, year. I, I don't think it's a strong yeah, year it's... overall, but it's just very in terms of the films that have a chance of winning. They're all yeah, the best. Yes. Um. So I wouldn't bet on it. I was very, very much looking to because on at the day after the Batters, it was. 30 to 1 bet to win Best Picture at some bookies. And I was thinking, hold up. 
that's looking all right, you know. Um, yeah. Because because there was no clear front runner at that point. It was like everything was up in the air at that point. And then when I was looking to put Bell, and it was went down to eleven to one. I was like, oh no, nah. I don't actually think it's going to win. So it's not going to be so <laughs> worth doing. But thirty to one, I was like, oh look, it's definitely not that far behind. But um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty much done now. Um, it is also nominated for best adapted screen, but I do think it's going to win there. Yeah, that's a very good. That's a weak category. Yes, um, I saw women talking uh, the other day, and that's the one that I think it's competing with. Um, women talking is the like the definition of is, is yeah, it's the definition of an adapted screenplay winner because it's so adapted. It just it just plays like a book or a play. You, yeah, <laughs> I get it, that. It, ha- it is like dialogue heavy. It, you can tell like the the way that the characters speak isn't like normal people speaking. It's so written. Even though I was so surprised it was set in 2010. I was so surprised. I, I mean, I'll talk about it, it more when I do that episode. recent. I do, I do know what it's about. I looked it yeah, up and said, yeah. wow, that was just 10 years ago. Yeah, there was... I know, there was a... There was a um, well, 13, but, um, there's a, yeah, there's a song that features in it. And it really caught me off. I was like, hold on. <laughs> I'm sure this film was supposed to be set in like the, like the, the, the 19th century. <laughs> and there's suddenly this film... From, this song, sorry, from the... 80s or something, I think it was. Um, anyway, it's besides the point, but I think it's between those two for adapted screenplay. Uh, potentially, Women Talking gets it because uh, that's in English. Um, it's very rare for a foreign language screenplay to win screenplay. Uh, Parasite, again, the exception. But um, it could be a place where uh, it gets them above the line because it's only above the line. Um, All right. So, but but then again, it's like that's what sort of opens it up as still having the chance in best picture because it has a chance in another category above the line. It's very rare that I can't remember the last time that uh, a film won best picture without winning anything above the line. So either writing, um, acting, or directing win. Very rare. Right. What did, did Green Book win any of them? It won two, both screenplay and supporting actor. Ah, oh, supporting yeah. okay, screenplay, yeah. right? I, I know, <laughs> no, Christ. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like the only one that comes to mind is Grand Hotel because that was the that's the only film to win Best Picture of only, um, with its only nomination. All right, okay, so yeah, that would be the the standout for that. <laughs> yeah, but like I can't think of any that's only one below the line and picture. It just doesn't happen, basically. Uh, anyway, international feature film. Yeah, I think it's going to win that. Nah. <laughs> no, if you had to pick a, if you, if you had to pick a runner-up, what, what, what are you saying? That might been, it would have been decision to leave. But... Yeah. Um, let's have a look. Um, runner potentially, um, I would say Argentina in nineteen eighty-five because it won a Golden Globe. Oh yeah, so potentially that, but um, but no, I think it's uh, I think it's going to win quite comfortably there. Especially like it, any other year, any other year wouldn't be is would be quite a strong category. But with that, it just sort of jumps ahead of everything. Does yeah, it? well, it'd be competitive. Yeah, is that but, that's what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but it's been the case in a couple of last couple of years where there's been a foreign language film nominated in Best Picture. And then it's been pretty straightforward. They they've always won, basically. Yeah. 
people think, oh, they're going to split people it because they're going to vote for one in Best Picture and one in in Foreign Language. No, it doesn't work like that. Parasite because won the... Because they just won't just watch yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Parasite the won the... Yeah, Drive, uh, Drive My Car won the Roma. They always win uh, in that category. Um, was there another one recently? Oh, another round was nominated in um, Director. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. not Picture. A more was another example as well from twenty twelve. Uh, um, another, to... another round wasn't in Best Picture. Don't think so. No, that's weird. Well, no. Well, actually, don't need to think. Oh, I know it wasn't. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it was just in directed. Uh, original score. I don't think it's going to win now either. I think it's a very memorable score. Like those specific moments, you know, where it has like a specific wait. There's like impending doom moment. Did you did yeah, you clock yeah. that in the school? I did, yeah. Well, I, but I'm not gonna lie. It was I got used to it but at first. I was like, "Has someone left a drum track?" Yeah, I can imagine people that don't like the film would find that very annoying. But you get used to it, and it just becomes part of the like the, yeah, the yeah. dread. Yeah, it's the one thing that takes you out of sort of the immersive nature of the film. It reminds you, okay, you are watching a film. <laughs> it's yeah. structured, structured as such, um, but. It's it's still pretty good. Uh, I think Babylon's going to win. I watched Babylon recently. That score is fantastic, as you would expect right. from Justin Hurwitz, um, even though that film is a mess. But the uh, score is excellent. Um, what else is it nominated for? Production design. It's a tough one this year. I don't know about that. I don't think. I'm not um, convinced. Avatar, Babylon, Elvis, Fablemans. I think it's probably Babylon. Yeah, I think the dis- it's a yeah. I think they're quite similar in terms of their production design. That's I think I've mentioned that before. Yeah, it, it depends if they go for interiors or exteriors. Um, recently it's been a bit of a split. So you look at films like uh, Mad Max Fury Road, the one here. You also have films like Black Panther and Dune, um, as very much exterior based uh, production design winners well you have some interiors in here as well so films like mank uh, shape of water la la land those kind of films rely on their interior set design yeah and remember that props also count as um as production design hence why mad max won even though it's got no real like sets as such because the cars are like that amazing and the and the guns and everything it, may, it makes it win. Watch out for it in this category, potentially Avatar winning because the original, the first, sorry, the first film uh, won that production. I wouldn't, wouldn't so quite understand it, but well, yeah, yeah, that, that film looks like I, I, I saw it the other day. It, it just looked like a video game. Yeah, so I don't, I've I don't, seen uh, the frame yeah. rate on it. Literally, looks like a video game as you. Want. Yeah, that's all I was thinking for hours. Like, this is just a video game. <laughs> this isn't like a film. So I don't. Hopefully, I don't I it's it's hard to tell it. what's production design and what's not because it's so like heavy on its visual effects. Yeah. So that's why probably disadvantage to it uh, there. So I think it quite does have a chance there, but it depends if they prefer interiors or exteriors. Really. Uh, cinematography. I think it's going to win cinematography just because the the list is so bad this year. There's no Top Gun. There's no Avatar. Um, there was another big one that missed out. Fablemans. That was it. Um, I don't know how those all missed. Um, uh, it's got the precedent, of course, of winning the winning the BAFTA. So, uh, yes, I believe it did. Good boost, um, good boost there. However, the director, uh, the, so the cinematographer, is the only one that doesn't have a Wikipedia page. 
Often yeah, I didn't know. Therefore, at a disadvantage, but nah, it should be should be fine. It is the most visually impressive of uh, those films. I haven't seen Bardo. I've seen the other four. Uh, sorry, the other three. Um, well, the other four, if you include them, all quiet. But um, yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's the best of those. I, I don't know how like Tar and Elvis got in. And part of like that film was dreadful. But, um, <laughs> I've not topic, seen good reviews for that. That it, it sucks. <laughs> 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 um, simply put um, but it does look quite nice uh, makeup and hair sign we've mentioned before I think it has a chance of winning up, but I'm, yeah, I'm predicting I'm predicting the whale there because yeah, it often happens right with a combo where it often happens with a combo where um, the makeup winner coincides with an acting winner, uh, winner. so you look at uh, films like The Iron Gary Lady Oldman. Iron Lady, yeah. Dallas Buyers Club, um, Darkest, Darkest, Hour. Darkest Hour, and even last year with The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Where, yeah. yeah. And um, with The Eyes of Tammy Faye, I think it's a very, very good um, comparison to The Whale because it has the exact same number of nominations and Jessica Chastain has won the exact same precursors as Brendan uh, Fraser has. That's a very safe bet then. Which led to... Uh, Isaac Tommy Faye winning both of its nominations last year, and I think the way will do the same this year. And uh, visual effects, uh, it's not going to win. It's as simple as that. Avatar's going to win. So, have you mentioned best sound? Uh, oh, don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I've, I've been that. waiting. Yeah. I've, had, I've had it locked yeah. and loaded to mention oh, the okay. uh, the false advertising of the film. Yes. Oh, but it's not quiet at all. Not quiet at all. No. I mean, because <laughs> the sound design is is rightfully fantastic. Yes, it's just insane. Just the 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 way it keeps the the tension going. Sometimes yes. just using the sound alone and Felix's performance, mm. and then um, of course when it's actually in the battle scenes, and it's just it's overwhelming, but not in a not in an off putting way. If that makes yeah, sense, yeah, and, and it's off putting, but not off putting it... from the film. Yeah, and it works with the brutality of the scenes as well. Yeah. If if what you're seeing is visually horrible and you need the sound to back that up as well. Right, There's no yeah. point in having like as I say, like video game like kind of sound effects to the to the visuals. It just doesn't work. So um yeah, yeah it is very good, but I think Top Gun's gonna win that. Yeah, Avatar, Batman, Elvis, Top it's a, Gun. It's a very diverse lineup in terms of different types of sound design. Yeah, very strong year this year. That's the problem with with having editing and mixing together. Where uh, I don't know, I feel it like confused them when they were separate. So. Yeah, because like it's a prime example where this would win sound editing, but like either Top Gun or Elvis would win mixing. So. They just normally voted for the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, sometimes, yeah, you're, sometimes you're right. If it if it works correctly, yeah, that would that would be correct. Yes. Um, I think we need to get on to the spoiler section because we missed out a lot of the details of the plot because oh, we couldn't God. talk about most of it. So if you haven't seen the film already, um, turn us off now and go and watch the film. See you later. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for listening. Then. And um, if you have already seen the film, we're going to continue right now. Okay, that final scene is horrible and it sticks in my mind and it's not nice. Well, the one, uh, the the one where the the, the ginger guy. Where's the? Place. I just find it mad. It's no, it's the, it's the after the, on the eleventh of November thing, where they have the they've signed the truce and everything. Yeah. Oh, let's go out for one more battle. Like, please don't. 
I haven't bothered to look <laughs> it up. I don't know if that happened. It didn't happen in the book. I know that's for uh, sure. Well, he dies in 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 October in the book, so he's still he still keep. That's what I mean when it adapts the spirit. He's still very close, uh, but not but that close. Literally, <laughs> as the whistle blows. That's ridiculous. It's, it's I, I both love it and also kind of don't like it's a stab it as, in the heart. As, as a choice. Yeah, it's it's very on the nose. There's no subtlety about it at all. Yeah, um, but it's memorable, and I feel like you need this kind of scene. If it was just like, oh, he just goes home and then dies so alone. He had sort to of die thing. somehow like, during the war. Yeah, I did not expect them eleventh hour, eleventh minute. We're just gonna kick this guy down completely, and and the thing is, not just that, but like all his mates seem to die like the day before as well. One dies yeah, the day cat. before, the one dies of the morning of that, like a couple of hours before. Why are they going and getting that? Um, yeah, that is turkey on that morning. It's like you're going home by lunch. I, I so the decision, the idea behind the two, the two main characters died after the peace treaty was signed is a good way of saying the damage is done, that it gets yeah. that point across, but it is kind of frustrating just from a viewer's perspective. Yeah, the, the we we know the peace tree is being signed. Well, they know the peace tree is being signed. Yeah, so it's you can keep yourself out of risk, or at least Cat could have done. Yeah, um, I mean they know about it before. It's literally like thir- like thirty minutes of not not like actual film time, but of them during them in the film. Yeah, the time the time goes on like thirty minutes. Before the scene with the where the guy sticks forks in himself, basically, yeah, just put to put himself out of his misery. Like you oh, know that, that the war's gonna end the next day. Like <laughs> it's did, one did of those that the war was ended because his his decision makes sense. The the guy who stabbed himself because he the... was thinking, you know, I don't want to live, yeah, uh, with, with my leg gone. Oh, right, okay. So that he yeah. he's, he wanted to be like a, an officer. Oh, cause, yeah, because he's out of battle yeah. anyway. So yeah, that yeah. made couldn't be a that was tragic. Yeah, yeah. Everything worked about that, but then going to rob the farm. So yeah. leave him alone. <laughs> but you know, because we'd already been to the farm earlier in the film as well. Yeah. So you know the danger behind it, and and it just ends in the most horrible way because it's the the kid finds him in the woods and shoots him in the. I don't know. I felt about that. Yeah. World's quietest child snuck up on them. Yeah, um, no, it's obviously it being chased. Class, so. Yeah, I guess so. And I, I think it round them. I don't know, but then you have the scene where he's like um, taking them through the back to the thing, and then taking him back, yeah. and then tells him, "Oh, this guy's dead." And I feel like that's the scene where you realize the numbness that these guys have to death. Like this is his best friend, and. He gets told that he's he's died, and it's like he's numb to it by that point. He's he's already seen one of his friends literally flame thrown to death. He's had the the only scene that's the only sort of death that sort of affects him in the film is the uh, is the one where he's in the in the bunker with the Frenchman. That, yeah, in the be, career. Yeah, yeah. Because he sees his wife and kids and. the Picture and it's, stuff. It's so important, and I wanted to talk about it. But obviously, it's a spoiler that, like 1917, the, the enemy is largely faceless. 
Yes. Until we have to meet them one on one. And then both main characters have that realization of, oh, the, yeah. you know, the human. And it's very similar to the scene, you know, the scene in 1917 where the plane crashes. Yeah. And, that's what I was and thinking. It's of. Yeah. And um, George McCarthy mate, dies in that scene. Oh, sorry, Fiona, 1917. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that. But um, yeah. And I forgot what I was going to say now. Come back to me. The, 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 well, it's kind of a spoiler, but the fight, the st- even though, even after you've seen that the human, you're still fighting them. And there's still tragedy that happens uh, because obviously you just can't communicate. Yes, that's it. Um, yeah, it's similar to. You know, the scene right at the end where they're looking at each other and they see them as humans and they sort of like put their weapons down um, as such. Yeah. Uh, and then, like... and then, then he comes and sneaks up behind. Then the other guy just sneaks up behind and just stabs him. And then the war ends. You're like, thinking, oh, you just oh, get that humanity. Like, okay, they're, spare, they're sparing each other. That's fine. And then suddenly, no, it's not like that at all. And that's the brutal reality of war. Sort of I mean, the French were literally like get about to pop champagne or something, yeah, and pack up and go, and then they hear the approach and they say, "What is going on? Yeah, what are you doing?" Yeah, and then you see that his um that Paul's reaction to that scene as well, where he's walking through back onto the front line, and his face is just finished. He's there literally seen lit. all his friends die. And you can, that's the scene which comes to mind. Right? Like, this guy is aged like, yeah. 30 years. There is a legitimate complaint that's, that's come from that, and that when they announce that they're going to do that final battle, that they shoot the deserves. Mm. People have said, well, that, that wasn't actually very common on the German side. Right. So it's a bit, a bit disingenuous to, to use it to try and prove a point. And I do sort of agree with that. Yeah, because uh, I get I get where they're coming from, but I I also understand you know the screenwriters what they were trying to do there. Yeah, uh, with that idea of the damages done, so it, it's like it left me a bit conflicted. Yeah, I think that's a fair response. Like to me, this just this one just bogged me over. I just like crazy. I, isn't it? Wow, it's just just <laughs> I've seen something quite remarkable here. Uh, one final thing I wanted to ask, plot-wise, is what what did you think of uh, Daniel Bruhl's um, plotline? Um, okay, I don't think it was amazing because it just juxtaposed, uh, yeah. juxtaposed the um, the what's going on actually on the on the front line, but it's necessary in terms of understanding the context of situation and it makes it work more as a historical um, education. Rather than just being a set, it doesn't make it an action film. It makes it more of a um, uh, historical a period drama. piece. Historical yeah. Period piece, yeah. I guess we talked a bit about that justifying its existence. Yes, I was. I was. I was a bit mixed on that as I was watching, but I do like Daniel Brühl, and he does a good performance. Yeah. Uh, so you know, he makes those scenes um, engaging still. That's which is enough. which is important when you've got a film of this length and sort of like you can find when things aren't all go, they, they your your attention can drop off a bit, those kind of things. But um it managed to to keep your attention throughout. 
Sometimes you just um, need a break. Sort of like, I really don't. Yeah, I really don't like these arguments that people are saying that films boring or dull. It's really not. No, but it's just not at all. Even (laughs) I don't don't know. Like, what what film have you watched here? I saw someone put on Letterbox like, oh, I had to take a nap halfway through. On what planet? Why would you admit that? (laughs) Exactly. You didn't have to say that. You didn't have to to snitch on yourself like like that. That's not. That sounds like a you problem. Yeah, literally. <laughs> in the film but um, and that, I think that just sums up to me that you've got to be in the right frame of mind and yeah, and, um, and expect to be traumatized a bit. I was but, ill last week, so I, I had to wait until I was until I was coming yeah, out yeah. of that before I watched it. Yeah, <laughs> I think I was... we'll, yeah, I think we'll call yeah, it there for, for this one. Um, hopefully, this wins best picture in. Less than two weeks now, too far away. I think ceremonies on the 12th slash 13th of um, March, currently recording on the 1st of March. So um, it'll be interesting. I think it has more of a chance than I think before it did on nominations morning, but it will be highly unlikely and be a big shock if yeah. it did pull it off. But hopefully, brings home a, a couple of awards. Probably adapted screenplay is its best shout overall. And uh, cinematography as well. Uh, thank you, James, for coming on. Thank you. And uh, thank you for listening to uh, this episode. Hopefully, we'll put out more um, before the ceremony. Definitely a predictions episode a couple of days before, and I'll try and get the other episodes for the other nominees done at some point as well. Uh, so make sure you're followed and subscribed to the. Uh, Apple Podcast page or Spotify page as well as the Twitter page which is Best Picture underscore pod or, and the Instagram account which is Best Picture Podcast um, to so you so you know when they're going to go up, up anyway okay that's done thank you for listening and goodbye